When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thanks for downloading the show. I'm Emma Kennedy, joined as usual by At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Not in studio this week as you're busy with the Ferry Harris yearling sale. You won't be in studio next week either as you've got a big sale coming up. Yeah, I have a Dandyman half-brother to Mr. Wynn, George Bone with a Hadi, uh, is scheduled to sell at Goff's next Tuesday, and hopefully all going well between now and then, um, he'll be there. But I'll tell you what, there's, there's been a few stories up around Fairy House this week that would you know, give, give you good reason to put the proviso as, of if all is okay between now and then when you're talking about such things. You know, there was two yearlings actually killed at Fairy House before the sales. What? What? Why? One got loose and ran into a wall and another one flipped over backwards and broke its neck. Oh, oh that's isn't... awful. The only other instance yeah. I know of a horse losing control and running into something is that son of Stormcat that Aidan O'Brien had. It won in, I want to say, York for Aidan O'Brien for Kieran Fallon yeah, two years I, ago. Yeah, I remember the horse. Yeah, he, he was got a loose nutter. and ran into a tree, I think, yeah. Yeah, he was a nutter. He, um, he put a number of the Ballydoyle staff in hospital. They sold them to race in America and the people who bought him decided, let's put him in a field for the winter. And he broke free and ran straight onto a, straight into a tree head on and was killed stone dead. Oh, God. He was completely yeah, insane. That was, that was pretty unpleasant up there, but there you go. Oh, that's um, devastating for the people who've worked. Things. It's devastating for the people yeah, who've worked so you, hard you, with them. You get in that fire, it's pretty rough. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Uh, also, in the background, and hopefully she will lighten up proceedings after that complete downer from Kevin Blake to start the yeah, show. Yeah, apologies about that. Is I just, ho- I'm in, I'm in nervy form for the next week. Is host <laughs> of the Bloodstock show, Vanessa Ryle. Hello. And you can see the Bloodstock show on At The Races and of course on the brilliant At The Races app as well. True facts, true facts. It's good to have you back, Vanessa. If it's good you, to be back. I'm excited. If you stay long enough for the outtakes, then you'll realise why Vanessa has been on the show in so long. But you'll be on again next week, apparently, I'm told. <laughs> Okay, please don't judge me. I feel like, you know, you guys have all gone kind of like golden balls since I've been missing. Uh, Um, I have absolutely no idea what that means. Well, just like all golden with a little halo over your head, polishing your halo every night. I can can assure you that's not the case in my instance. It may very well be in Kevin's. You're both polishing something. Look, I don't want to go. Jesus. Welcome back back to the show, Vanessa Ryle. Oh, let's get straight into it, shall we? Um, Having wasted two minutes and 40 seconds. 
Capri won the Doncaster St. Ledger live and at the races, the last classic of the season. He arguably, Kevin Blake going into it, was the class act of the race. Well, he was. He'd won the Irish Derby uh, previously. I think they'd considered him their ledger horse for quite some time. Uh, and just along the way, he'd managed to go and win at the Curra in the Irish Derby. Um, that day, there was a lot of people were suggesting that Cracksman was unlucky. And of course, Wings of Eagles got injured that day and ended up having to be retired. But on this occasion... There's a lot of talk about the pacemakers, but he was put in front at the right time. He used his stamina. Uh, he showed a lot of class, and all systems now lead to the arc, apparently. What did you make of him? I thought he was good, yeah. Just just a good, tough, strong-staying colt that was the most precocious of these. You know, precocious is a relative term here in that he was forward enough to run in the classics, whereas most of his rivals were not. And um, he was given a very no-nonsense ride in a, in a truly run race. Um, he was out there to be shot at from a little way out and they couldn't get him. Uh, if the ground turned up soft in the arc, he'd be of interest. Um, not of massive interest, but I think he'd be in the mix for, for the frame. But it would need there would need to be an ease in it, I think, to bring his stamina into it and to inconvenience a few others, I think. But uh, thoroughly admirable. You know, two big classic wins for him now. And uh, yeah, just a very likable horse. We talked about the fact that he'd missed the Voltager and that might have worked out quite well and his similarity to Scorpion, who's the famous Scorpion. Uh, but it's, it's worked I out. I mentioned that. Oh, good old Scorpion. I, I somehow <laughs> managed to have an encyclopedic knowledge of Scorpion's racing career in my mind, Vanessa, in last week's show, which obviously you listened to. I did. <clears throat> yeah, clearly. So he's gone and kind of followed a similar path the only difference is that Scorpion had taken in the Grand Prix de Paris but he'd gone there fresh it didn't work out for Scorpion in the arc um, you don't seem to think that he would have the, it would it be a class issue for you or just not being good enough I just don't know if he has the equipment at that trip in terms you know I just I think you know, for me he's a cup horse in the making okay you know and of course we know stayers can run very well in an arc you know Order St. George Westerner so on and so forth. But I just think he'd be vulnerable to one with a little bit of class, you know, like a, an unsung enable or a couple of others. Might just be a little bit quick for him at the trip, perhaps. Okay. Um, Vanessa, what were your thoughts on Capri? Uh, very, very good. I mean, I think his, his main uh, attributes came to the fore in that race is that he has just plenty of guts and stamina. I don't think that uh, Chris Lotion or Stradivarius would have got past him with another furlong. Um I think he's just he's just tough, you know. He's 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 a real tough stayer, and um, those conditions brought out the best in him. And obviously, he was ridden. He had the race worked out very well for him. Um, and I know people say maybe James Doyle would have done things a bit differently on Stradivarius if he could, but actually, I don't think the result would have been any different. I argue with those people that they. Who are these people? People, people in the ATR offices. That, that people that read my weekly article. <laughs> I actually don't read your blog. Oh, at least I bluff it. I mean, you could at least oh, be God. nice about it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, I, do, I, I personally don't think. Is that what you were, why don't, were you saying that what he would have, he, he would, Stradivarius would have got closer or not? He absolutely, definitely would have. Would he have beaten him? I don't know, but it would have been a closer on thing, I think, if, he, if he'd waited a little longer than he did. I'd, I, yeah, look, it might have been a closer on thing, but I don't think he would have got past him. I think Capri's just very, very tough. 
Um, yeah, no, I could see that. And there was a few in, I thought, a, a few in behind. I thought Reed Kindling might have got a bit closer, but he was left with quite a lot to do and met a lot of trouble in yeah. running. Uh, he's a very good horse, probably. Well, actually, he's not a very good horse. He's a good horse, and I'm sure he'll have his day. But, um, no, look, I, I think Capri was the rightly winner. He was the one with classic form going into it, and that proved the case. Um, and I don't think that the result would have been any different had any of the other horses had different rides in particular. The analysis that really seems interesting to me about all this is that the amount of people who are now stepping up and saying, oh, yeah, he had the stamina, he had the proven stamina. That was the case that a lot of people were making against him in his bid for this race. Right. Uh, a lot of people were trying to make out that, no, no, there's a real issue here as to whether or not he will truly see out the mile and six. But in the end, he stayed very strongly. And there's been a lot of talk, Kevin, about pacemakers now they were deployed. We're just used to this now, aren't we? I mean, this is just a case of this is what Bally Doyle are going to do. If you're the connections of a leading horse, surely at this stage you just attach yourself to Capri tactically and say, right, off you go. Do what you want to do and we're going to be right alongside you. Instead of complaints from the industry afterwards about, oh, the use of pacemakers and racing again. Or is that more of a punter's complaint i just don't know how anyone can complain really it's it's a truly run race you know yeah, capri I, who was yeah. capri who was in the box seat uh, was given every chance crystal ocean who was given a, a much quieter ride had every chance you know everything had every chance you know the truly run every, race i, I think it was a very fair race very yeah. fair yeah i thought so too yeah. they, they all had their chance to go and win he was just I mean, better the one thing that is very disappointing when a pacemaker goes off quite like they did on Saturday is when they fall back into the pack and cause a bit of trouble. But in the St. Ledger, it's too, it's so far out that everyone has chance to get in position again, going into the home straight. But those moments always worry me, maybe unnecessarily so. But I mean, for me, it was a very fair race, and I don't think the result would have been any different. He's a really. Yeah, aptly... I don't think I don't think it was the intention for the Anvil to go quite that hard. But look, sometimes these things happen. He's a really yeah. aptly named horse, the Anvil. Dropped like a stone the whole way through. Uh, let's talk about Crystal Ocean. It's <laughs> <laughs> <is> terrible. Oh. <laughs> I'm taking that one. Uh, Crystal Ocean. He's obviously got uh, a lot of scope and can be one of these typical Sir Michael Stout improving horses as, a, as an older type. The old cliche will be drawn out again. Um, he's run well. He's run very well. Uh, I'd say I wouldn't be shocked or amazed if a mile and a half is his very optimum trip next season. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got plenty of gears in, in his locker. And he stayed here, but I think his optimum trip could be a bit shorter. Um, has enhanced his credentials. I thought he ran a lovely race. He ran a lovely race. I I was watching Monday View with um, Jamie Lynch, Time Forms Jamie Lynch, who made the case for showing that this was one of the best St. Ledgers in recent years by quite a long way. Not by just the winner, but by the second, third and fourth in terms of ratings. Isn't the fourth and, rated higher than the last five winners? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nice. Which is shocking. So, uh, um, you know, it's great that, that there was such a good race on offer. And there's no doubt in my mind that Chris Lotion, at least, I mean, I'm not as big a fan of Stradivarius as a lot of people are, but Chris Lotion definitely is going to win a, well, actually, that's just a ridiculously bold statement, Vanessa. I was literally just about to say, Chris Lotion is definitely going to win a Group 1. That is a ridiculous statement to make, but he is a Group 1 class horse and he showed that this day. 
Um, and I'd hope that in the future he could go close to winning another Group 1 at some stage. Let's deal with Stradivarius, who you hate, Vanessa. You despise this Fair horse. Hey, I just think he's a... You- <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> what do you call a horse? A- <laughs> Don't double I'm down fine. on it, Kevin. How many... I'm like, just seriously, you up. There are actual tweets from people saying, I'll get the bleep machine ready. I, like, this is why you haven't been on. Because, this is why I haven't been on. Because Dee just loses her mind. Like when, I didn't mean that. I was only saying that to No, she up. just now has to go and edit all of this stuff and put bleeps in. And oh, Anyway, moving swiftly along. Stradivarius, John Gosden has suggested that if he can get him right, he'll go for the cup on Ascot Champions Day, which would be interesting. Very That's it, the, the two-mile race. Should get knees in the ground. Yeah, he'll go for the stairs race. And and three-year-olds, like, he won the Goodwood Cup. He probably beat it off-colour Big Orange that day. But Order of St. George could be, will almost certainly have had a tough race in the arc at that stage. So that race could be, it could be more open than we think. You'd have a huge chance in that race. Huge chance. And I wonder, would rekindling go there as well, Kevin Blake? I can't really confirm anything now because there's no decision made there's a, a lot of options there um, he could go abroad he could run in that race um, but I won't give you any leaning now because I don't know All I right. don't know is the quick answer to that but there, there's a few options there I wouldn't be advising anyone to get involved in any race Andy Post with him now for the time being I'd just like to say right now I regret my I regret my comment Reece Stradivarius <laughs> I just don't like him that's all is this, is this a public apology Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Public apology to John Gosden and all involved with Stradivarius, uh, who Vanessa yeah. Ryle. You, like. you can't, you can't kind of apologise, Vanessa. You're either apologising or you're not. Well, I'm not one to apologise all the time. <laughs> no, so I don't want to. Really, but not. I'm pretty sure that John Gosden and his and his merry folk don't listen to the podcast. So I'm I'm panicking a little less. I'm pretty sure that his stable actually do listen to the podcast because I've had it said to me. But anyway, good luck with that. And the next time you Stop. do the Bloodstock show to go and chat to him. I love Stradivarius. Uh, I love Stradivarius. It's amazing I how quickly him. people can dial back on what they've said when some piece of information is revealed to them. Uh, in terms of the arc, so you're not as keen on him, Kevin. Uh, he's going to be part of the Aidan O'Brien team, though. And it looks like it's going to be quite a strong team to take on an Abel. We've got Order of St. George, who will skip the Melbourne Cup where he'd have top weight and go for the race that he was third in last year. Highland Reel was second in it last year. He's going to go. And there has been talk that Winter will go, which has been dismissed by a lot of people, including me. But the momentum is starting to build around her chance of running there. And you can see why they would run her, because she'd have the weight for age allowance and the sex allowance. Well... Isn't it, isn't it nice to see a big stable aggressively targeting what seems a below standard arc? <laughs> None of us keep keep them to the next year. Oh, we can't get her stable jockey. Run them! Run them! Run them! All of them! <laughs> this is exactly what At The Races chose last week as the highlight clip uh, to recommend people listening to the show. Don't get them started on Cracksman. Um, we can't even get past the St. Ledger without talking about Cracksman, who arguably could have run in that race too. Um, I he, love Cracksman, by the way. He'd have had a huge chance run in the it. the horse. He's a really good horse. Run him. But yeah, the, the O'Brien team must be very strong. Um, I, I believe Winter is going to go. I think that's the intention. Wow. Um, it's a big call. It wouldn't be necessarily the call I'd make, but I can see the logic in it. You know, the thing is, they, they I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't went ten furlongs with her, and they did, and she won a Group One. Yeah, in terrible um, ground. They've, they've, like like Vanessa says, they've nothing to lose. It's a filly. Yeah. Um, she is settling a bit better. 
And if it works out, it, it, it's fabulous, brilliant. Couldn't it be better? And if it doesn't, so be it. You know, she'll come back next year. She'll, she's already won a heap of group ones. She'll win more. And then why not? You know, below standard arc, get, getting all the allowances. Bang, bang, have a go. Have a go. It's a sport. Have a go. Yeah, it, it just makes sense in my view. Let's try and figure out what Ryan Moore would do. Order of St. George, oh, Highland Jesus. Reel, Winter, Capri. Who would you ride? Would he be able, would he be able to do the weight on, on Winter? It'd be significant if he did. Don't, I, I suspect he wouldn't do the weight. I can't... Rec- what, what, what weight would she carry? Half the time? Do you have it there? No, he did write... He's ridden the three-year-old filly in that race before, hasn't he? Did he ride Founders? Um, Founders four. Was she three when she ran it the first time, though? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, look it up there. I would now, but I have a slice that is of correct. my hand. He definitely... He rode it the first year, thrown out the back of the TV screen in traffic. Yes. Am I going to have to look this up if you're not going to look it up? She carried, I, found I carried eight stone eight, so that's what, what weight Winter will carry as well. And I'm both, Vanessa and I are right, bloodstock expert Kevin Blake, uh, found was the one that Ryan Moore rode in the race back in 2015. Behind, Kevin, pop quiz, you got five oh. seconds. Gosh. Um, oh, how easily you all forget. 2015, no, I can't remember. No, you're out of time, yeah. Golden Horn. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say yeah, yeah, I wonder if it'd be a small sweat for him now at this stage I think if Winter ran he'd, he'd aim to ride it he'd want to ride it whether he could or not would be a different thing but I think big, he'd want big decision interesting decision what over over Order of St George you think and Capri and Highland Reel really? you, you throw Capri into the mix with Order of St George and Winter and Highland Reel and Highland Reel oh and Highland Reel guys you guys yeah Capri probably number four on the list to be fair but I would have Highland Real and Winter now would be a tough choice oh my god what it really yeah I think it would be because you're guaranteed the Highland Real will stay yeah if if it was good ground we'll say yeah Yeah, if it's it's good ground then he's got a huge chance if it's not why why are you putting Highland Real above order in St George talk me through that well, he beat him in the race last year, and he's a six-time... Yeah, but he was in totally different form last year. Yeah, what he did yeah, to rekindling year, earlier. Yeah, what he did to rekindling earlier, and then the Irish St. Ledger was just, wow, brilliant. I just feel like Order of St. George is, like, firing on not just all cinders, like 110% at the moment. And I would have him above Highland Real and Capri at this stage in terms of who Ryan Moore, like a first string, who Ryan Moore would choose Isn't to ride. They're just going to be, like Highland Real and Winter would have a change of gear that Order of St. George just doesn't have. Agreed. A proper, proper tough choice. Jesus, when you think about it. Yeah. The it's... more I think about it, the more I get confused, I must admit. And we're not even talking about Ulysses, who's arguably better over 10, but's confirmed for the race now. That's a great shout, by the way. He's going to have a huge shout. Um... And there's this, cruising there. There's some horse. Of, there's some horse called Enable as well. Apparently, that uh, like honestly, she, she's obviously had a fantastic season, and she thrashed Ulysses in the King George, albeit on ground that was arguably unsuitable for Ulysses. Spoiled for choice. We yeah. are spoiled for choice. I've been saying it all season. This arc is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great race, and it's all live and at the races and on ITV, which is great news. That they're going to show it on the <clears> channel too. <clears throat> What are you coughing at? I actually wasn't. I was just coughing. <laughs> I had a cold. 
<laughs> you guys, you're so judgmental of me. Ed Chamberlain, just, ignore that cough. She didn't mean anything by it at all. I just had a little bit of dust in my throat. Ignore that cough, Ali Bell. She meant nothing by it. Um, Love you, Paul Cooper. Uh, hey, Coops. Decide right now, Vanessa Ryle, Ryan Moore's ride in the arc. On the information Ryan you know. Moore's ride in the arc is Order of St. George. Okay. Oof. Kevin. I think if it was priced up, Order of St. George would be number three in the list, but it could be wrong. Well, tell me why Order of St. George is the favourite at the moment of all the Aiden O'Brien runners then. Well, I guess he's a confirmed runner. Um, and it doesn't matter what the ground's going to be, he's fine. Yeah. Whereas with Highland Real, you're ground dependent. And it's Shanti in October, so there's a, there's a fair chance it could be softer than good. Mm-hmm. And winter, people still don't know for sure if she runs. I assume that's why he'd be the shortest price. Okay. And there's no chance that they would deviate and go, actually, we'll just go for the Pedal Opera instead. Like the indications are, no, let's go for it. Ah, sure. Who gets into horse racing to have a Pedal Opera winner? <laughs> yeah, take that, Jim Bulger. <laughs> take that. Well, when you have a, how many group ones does she won? Four? When you have a four-time group one winner, you know, have an hour swing. Yeah. Uh, go for it. <clears throat> Could be wrong. Maybe, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll do that. But yeah, I think if you're going to go, go in the air, why not? Be something else that that's the race to decide to go up against older horses and open company. Like to, to go in against males in, and do it in the arc instead of doing it in the QE2. It would be fascinating if they choose to do it. Um, I've asked mm-hmm. Vanessa, I'll ask you, who will run more ride? I'd say unbalanced Highland Reel, but it's ground dependent. Good man, Kevin Blake. I'll go with Highland Reel as well. Right, other Doncaster highlights. So we, we've talked about the importance to the bloodstock industry of the much-missed Scat Daddy. Uh, there were two running in the Champagne Stakes. Ryan Moore chose Mendelssohn, who was a $3 million purchase. He was eased towards the end as Donick O'Brien came through in really impressive style to go and win on Seahenge. Uh, bids to follow in the footsteps of his former illustrious stable companion, Westphalia, who won this race so many years ago and then did... Oh, Jesus. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But I remember him well. He went to, he went to Hong Kong. Did he not get a mic to cock? No, I think he went to Hong Kong and won races, but I could be wrong. All right, he did nothing for Aiden O'Brien. He went to Hong Kong and he's got a different name. Ah, that's it. They like doing that over there. I don't, I don't like it. It's not I don't name, like but. it. No, but they, they become obsessed with it. So anyway, he's done it well. Like he's traveled beautifully and he's quickened up quite nicely. How good could he be though? Obviously the, the big thing from your perspective, Kevin Blake, is that he's given a huge boost, albeit he probably didn't handle the track at Goodwood that day and maybe lacked experience, which you've talked about. Aidan O'Brien would like it for their horses to get experience first time out, then win their maiden, then go on. They were forced to go... Uh, into group company on their second start. It didn't quite go to Planet Goodwood, but the horse that won that day was Expert Eye. Yeah, I wouldn't take his that form literally now. Mm. I don't think things went went to plan for Seahenge, but he was very good, wasn't he? He was given a very confident ride. Like he's a he's a big boy, this horse. Like he's he's out of sixteen two, I'd say. He's a very big two year old, big raw horse. It's not a you know, given the way Aiden is training the two year olds this year especially, you know, it's not a big surprise that he's been raw. But um, he was given a lovely ride, I thought, really cool. And when the gap opened, he, he went about his business in good style, still, for me, showing signs of inexperience. So you, you'd have to really like it now. And he's very much next year's horse, I think. Yeah, for sure. Vanessa, he looks an exciting prospect. Yeah, I mean, I... 
I'd be re- yeah. I think he is an exciting prospect. Is he in the top three Aiden O'Brien two-year-old Colts? I would suggest potentially not. I think you know him and the other the three million pound dropout went off at eight and nine to one respectively in a group two ridden by Donica and and Ryan and trained by Aiden. Like that's not that doesn't happen if it's a particular well-fancied individual I know Seahenge was coming off the back of the expert I run and so but people aren't stupid I just I don't know I, I don't think he looks he looked very green still he looked raw he's a big thing I wasn't as blown away by him as some were I was I was very impressed by Donica's ride I thought he gave it a brilliant ride yeah well said um but I, I wasn't as overawed by it as a few potentially. Agree with Kevin definitely that the expert I form, I wouldn't take that quite as literally as it looks. It's amazing. By it so. is amazing the amount of people saying, oh, wow, this means expert I is a machine. He didn't yeah, handle Goodwood at all. It's Goodwood for starters. Yeah. Does anyone? Does any more need to be said? You know, there's many a horse that hasn't acted around Goodwood, and it was his second start. I think it's ridiculous to think that that form, the that eight length difference between them, is literal. Mm. Um, but do I think that Seahenge is the next, the second coming? No. Do I think there's better horses in the yard? Yes. Does he get me that excited at night? No. What? There are horses that keep you warm over the winter, and then there are horses that get you excited at night. Uh, a new, a new phrase. <laughs> it's my time now. I didn't mean that. Like you've read it, okay? A new, oh, yeah, a new phrase on the podcast as coined by the classic Vanessa Ryle. Uh, so it could be the Dewhurst, by the looks of things, Kevin. Uh, Expertise odds on for that race. Um, now there's very few betting on this. I think it's just on the exchanges, but. Verbal dexterity is going to go over by the looks of things. Um, I suspect that Aiden O'Brien will have something else that he can run there. Uh, uh, Gustav Klimt would be, would be a candidate. Yeah. Gustav? Uh, <laughs> no, he might prefer. Gustav could be interesting. The Pentagon could go there as well. Um, but that's I think shape- the Pentagon is going to go for um, the Racing Post Trophy, I believe. Oh, wow. Nice. So he'd be taking on Nelson then, possibly. Uh, potentially. If he goes. Uh, they're all going to take on each other at some point. But that's shaping up to be a really interesting race that you heard. Like particularly if yeah, Jim Bulger um, sends over verbal dexterity. Yeah, I met, I bumped into Jim, uh, when was it today or yesterday? One or the other, anyway. And um, yeah, Jew Hurst, uh, horse not sold. Um, I said, yes. I said, well, Jim, have you got, um, have you got new suits for the horse yet? And he says, everyone's asking me that. And I says, well, you know, that, that's a sign that people want to know. And he says, well, I don't necessarily want to sell him now, do I? And walked away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, in other words, bid more, yeah. Godolphin. Uh, I mean... Um, well, the thing is, we're all assuming Godolphin's going to buy him, but you have to bear in mind the sort of change in regime there in Godolphin yeah. in, in, in the recent past. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily a given now. There's a... A very things have changed very quickly in Godolphin. They're mm. you know buying buying Coolmore horses in Keeneland. There's you know John Gosden is heavily involved now. Anthony Shroud is is back in the mix again. You know it's a, it's all of a sudden there's been a big big change there, and I think it would be ill advised to assume that um, past actions will be will be repeated. And you you there's really this- like Expert Eye, Kev? Like you st- I know he missed. The Vincent O'Brien National Stakes was just a shame. Probably worked out best for him on the day, given the ground he would have run on. But 
you really like him long term. Oh, he's a proper horse. Yeah, like, like I, I, he's very fast. You'd have to have, you know, even though he's been winning over seven, you'd have to have slight concerns that for a mile, you know, would view into next year. But we, we'd hopefully get a real strongly run Jewhurst, and we'll get to find out, you know, get him examined in that regard there. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it now. I thought he looked like a, I thought he looked like an absolute beast now the last day to be honest All right, let's talk. Yeah, definitely the Dewhurst excitement is verbal dexterity versus expert eye not verbal dexterity versus Seahenge or any others at this stage well, Gustav Klimt I think is, is I, I'm not as high on him as, as nearly as high on him as many people are now but he would be he would be a worthy addition now into that mix yeah so, I mean it could be it could be a great race there's no getting away from that Martin Mead has announced that eminence is done for the season great so, but he's also announced that a claim. Wow. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. He's going to be a better horse next year. Um, hopefully, he's going, to be a group, hopefully, he's going to be a Group Three horse next season, and that's about it. Uh, maybe he'll pick up an international Group ah, One. Stop! I, 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 Come on. I think he's a good horse. I think he's, he's the potential to be better next year if he if he learns to relax. He can be a proper Group One horse. I think I do. I I know you've been slagging him all year now, but I I wouldn't be too low on him. I, I think he's got potential to do a bit better next season. I'll tell you what he'll do now: international Group One races. That's where he'll. Do you want know to be ideal for him? Tadastol's Gold Cup. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. That'd be ideal for him. And after that, you can take him on as he makes the market for you. But Martin Mead has got such a really such exciting a backhanded horse. compliment. Such it, a backhanded uh, compliment. Obviously, one for Tadastol's Gold Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be there. With our free passes. Um, Acclaim for Martin Mead, though. I mean, this is just a yeah. proper horse. And he could end up going for the Prix de la Forêt on Arc Day. Um, Had a huge chance. And when you look at that market, Vanessa Ryle, uh, there's yeah. talk now that Lamato might not go. And there's, there's not more than talk. There's, there's, that's, yeah, definitely on the cards. So he might not go. there's not a whole lot else for a claim to be stressing about. They've got a huge chance of picking up a big prize there. Yeah, basically, Martin Mead in an interview afterwards was making the point that there's no seven furlong group ones for a claim in this country. And so he's obviously going to have to go um, abroad and... The foray is the obvious choice for him. He's not ground dependent and he can cope with a bit with soft in the going description, which is great. He um, will run his race. Seven furlongs is perfect for him. And like you pointed out, that race could potentially really cut up, Um, especially if, I mean, Lamarte has been in and out this season anyway. But if he did go... He is ground dependent. And so what do you back at? You know, not that people are backing horses for the foray now, but if you're looking at the market now, a claim who we know is going there and is suited to the conditions and it has the perfect race distance or a horse we don't know that's going to go there and has to have decent ground. I mean, it looks for the taking. But for me, a claim was, you know, he was, as pointed out on the channel on the day, he was the horse with group one form in a group two race. But for me, is he a proper Group One horse? I don't know. Okay, he could win the foray, but he could win a very weak running of it. Um, I again wasn't set alight by him, but I, you know, it was an all right race. Yeah, what did you make him, Kev? Uh, he's a horse I really like now, and he had just the most miserable look early on in the season. His first three runs, I think, um, four runs even, were just horrific now in terms of look. <laughs> And it's nice to see him having come good now. He ran a storm right behind Brando last uh, t- time before last and got his winning turn this time. Um, I, I do think he's a Group 1 horse, but he's a Group 1 horse at seven furlongs. 
so it, it just makes things a small bit tricky for him uh, the Prix de la Forêt is a lovely option for him um, it doesn't look, unless something pops up out of the woodwork it doesn't look like it's going to be especially strong so yeah all roads to Shanti and it looks as though he will take a proper amount of beating there if Lomado misses look he's the type of horse that will always need a little bit of luck um, I, I can only imagine the field will be quite big on the day so you know he's not one to go put the mortgage on because you know, things things need to pan for him but in terms of the form he'll bring to the table, he'll definitely be the one to beat. And of course, we wouldn't do that anyway either because we all gamble responsibly in the Final Furlong podcast and suggest that you do so too. Well, I am currently reading Harry Finley's book and I'm just... <laughs> oh, sweet God. I'm just... We love gambling for life? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's just a frightening... Well, you, you know, it's not. you're not surprised by what you're reading, like, but just... It's eyebrow raising. The recklessness. Is it a book that's been written for dramatic effect or not? No, I, I 100% believe it. Um, really? I, I, yeah, I know. I, I would have spent a bit that's of time right. with Harry now. Not a huge amount, but a, but a little bit now back when I was in England. And uh, the man just lived life at such a pace in terms of in terms of punting. You know, five mobile phones on the go, constantly action, action, action. And that's just the way he did it. Um, it, you know, it's a million miles away from what I'd be doing, but you know, each to their own, obviously. But uh, some of the stories in there now, I'm, I'm only, I think, 120 pages in, you know, so I've got a good bit to go yet. But um, you're, you've got further some than me. Of the stories but... now, they're just making my toes curl. Yeah, you've got further than me, they're but we've, really we've both heard the stories over the years. Um, the thing about it is, it makes for a great story, but at the same time, it is massively, like it's, it's a huge note of caution. Oh, that, that's it. Like I, I would, I would, you know, some people will, will put Harry up as a hero, and you know that they, oh. they're perfectly entitled to do that. Like I, I put him up as a cautionary tale, to be yeah. honest. You know, <laughs> it's. Like uh, I'll give you one quick. Uh, not, not, it's not a spoiler or anything, but a story to the effect of he was out in Vegas. And he had a, he had a, he had a, he had a good time of it. You know, punting dogs or something like that. And, he rang his wife and said, "You know, bring out, bring, come, bring, come out here and bring, bring the, bring the. I think the, he'd one child at the time. Um, come out and bring, bring out, bring out the kids. You know, or we'll, we'll celebrate. You know, we're going, things are going well out here. We'll make a weekend of it. And uh, while they were in the air, um, on the way to Vegas, he managed to punt away basically every penny he had. And he went to a friend of his, and they were due to arrive in the airport. And he went to a friend of his and got got a loan of a grand." Um, and he went punting, and, and like, things went well, and he won twelve or ter- twelve or fourteen grand <laughs> in the time he was waiting for them to arrive, and they arrived, and they had a great time, great weekend in Vegas. But it's just that, you know, just constantly skinned, loaded, skinned, loaded. But like, so um, that makes for a great story. Like, if you watched a film, you'd go, "Ah, oh, that's just like way over the top, and it's ridiculous." Like, I've worked commentating on poker for years, and the sad truth of it is that. That's actually reality. That just oh, for some people, that's the way it is. Yeah. And look, look, he's written about it. I'm sure he's moved on. But the the reality is that I, I would be in your view point or your your um, take on this that if you want to put him on a pedestal and say, "Wow, he lived the dream," great. But then you've got the consequences to deal with afterwards, which are severe. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be my cup of tea. But there are plenty of people listening that that, that like the sound of that sort of thing and. And good luck to him now, but yeah. it wouldn't be wouldn't be my idea of a good time. I'd like a, I'd like a, a little a steadier patriot life than that. 
<laughs> Yourself and maybe you're a faster pace than Steve Mellish, who just like has the patience of Job and just waits like for two bets a year. Um, but you you are patient, and when your time comes, you strike and you strike hard. But then you won't do anything for about two months. Well, not necessarily two months, but I'm not, I'm not upset if I have a long time between drinks. Um, but that's just me. Like I say, everyone has ways they'd like to do things, they want to do things. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to preach to anyone about what's the right way or the wrong way. Um, if you can make, um, be be a few million in the black at one stage, like like Harry was, you know, you're obviously doing something right. But it's a case of it's no good having it two months ago and it's gone now. Yeah, fact. You know, I think it needs to be it needs to be sustainable. Tell you what, I like William O'Riordan, who tweets to say, "Hey, Emmett and Kevin, just to let you know, I landed a lucky thirty-one. It cost twenty euro and sixty cent, and I won." 2,379 euro it included your tips Caprina claim hashtag winning how many bets is that 26 (laughs) it's called a lucky 31 how many bets is that so 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 it's 31 horses 50 (laughs) we really should give up on this joke now it's very old oh it's the it's William William, that's not after timing, by the way. William, well done and, and congr- congratulations. Thank you for letting us know. That, is, that clearly is after timing. No, he's just saying <laughs> oh, a nice thing. That's, that's the he's very definition nice of thing. after timing. He's saying a nice thing to you and to a certain extent to me and to Rory and well done to you, sir. Congratulations. Well, the uh, very best of luck to him. I'm delighted for him, but it is after timing. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Blake's new book, Lucky 57's How I Made It to the Topper, is on the way soon to Amazon. <laughs> And the At The Races website. Right, Heartache, who won for Ryan Moore beating Havana Gray on Friday in Group 2 company. She's been a great story for the Hot to Trot Syndicate, winning at Royal Ascot, now picking up another Group 2 uh, here. Was this a case of Ryan Moore being at his best and exploiting Heartache, um, making them the most of the day? Or is she genuinely just that much better than Havana Gray, Kevin Blake? Just a fantastic horse race, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Great. Fabulous horse race and the best fitty one. I thought it was an interesting race. They they delivered her challenges in different parts of the track and then came together, and it was great to see her back up. Um, the Royal Ascot form having been beaten um, over Miss on a feet in between, and she's just a very good fitty, very good fitty. Um, great for the syndicate, like you say. Great for Clive Cox, who's just a very very good trainer, um, top class trainer. Uh, great to see him get these good horses now because he is out of great regard for Clive Cox. And he gets them consistently as well, Kev. And there's not there's never fortune spent by Clive now. You know, he might he might get sent the odd fancy horse now, but generally they're, you know, middle to lower market yearlings that he's there putting in the hard yards, picking them out himself, um, that he's delivering these these you know, that he's producing proper horses from, you know. So I'd be yeah. I'd be a big fan of Clive now as an operator. I think he's very good. Vanessa, we discussed the Melbourne Cup a little bit earlier on. Thomas Hobson could very well be on his way to Flemington. Um, and he was back in form. He needs to be covered up. And he ran a fine race under Ryan Moore, um, just denied by Desert Skyline, who was good on the day. I really like that Doncaster Cup. Mm, whatever. Um <laughs> I don't know. That race really uninspires me. Why is that? I don't know why that is. I just find it a really uninspiring race. And next year, uh, you can watch it again on At The Races. Sorry. <laughs> I, know, I know it's a ridiculous thing to say, actually, about a horse race, because it's just just not that good of horses running it. Horses that aren't good enough to go elsewhere, basically. <laughs> Gee, sorry, um, Sheikh Zayed Road. 
Shakeside Road. God, the amount of interviews we've cut. David Simcock on Shakeside Road. <laughs> David Simcock. There's a lot of that going on. Um, no, it was it, I, it was a race, to be honest, I, I don't have much of an opinion on. Um, it was nice to see a three-year-old win it, again, proving that three-year-olds against the older horses this year is a sort of trend that seems to be going quite well. Um, but, it, yeah, look, it's a race I don't really have much of an opinion on. All right, well, let's bring in Kevin Blexo instead because I suspect that this three-year-old in staying races is going to really come into play when we start looking at the handicaps towards the end of the season, Kev, the Cambridgeshire, for example. Well, look, I'm just glad that the listeners stood up for me all week and said that my switch switchy joke was hilarious and that you were totally wrong not to laugh at it. I mean, Kevin, I loved it. Well done. <laughs> I, I, I was pretty happy with that. I'd be happy with that. And it, it was like tumbleweed. Switch, switchy, rich, rich. Delargy and Kennedy just completely ignored it and moved on while I sniggered to myself. Uh, if I was on, you would have got a laugh out of me. Switch, switchy, rich, richy. So we're going to make yeah. a t-shirt? <laughs> put, it's still getting me now. Put it I, didn't even, I didn't even come up with this joke. This joke was doing the rounds like around Cheltenham time. Oh, that sounds like a Chapman oh. joke. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was. You know, I'm pretty sure so, it, it sounds like a chap ending original in my life. <laughs> Aside from your excellent article, one. which is available weekly on atthereaces.com. <laughs> Kevin Blake, will Thomas Hobson go down under? Uh, yeah, he's going to go down for the Caulfield Cup. Can we stop talking about people going down? Oh, my God. Oh, poor Thomas. I think that's the... That's the jigger and a poker and of it, yeah. Interesting turn of phrase uh, sorry, there. Given... Sorry, no, I think, no, that's wrong. That, that is wrong. Light, uh, Riven Light is going for the coffee and cup. Ah, yeah, that makes more sense. Oh, so there's the switch switchy. But look, this this is Willie Morris. Don't, don't go betting anti-post on these horses. Good God, you can switch them all there closer to the time. Right. Uh, and also, I, I, I'm, only, I'm only operating off recollections now. That I don't have this information in front of me. Cox Plate. So Highland Reel is priced in, but isn't going to go. Winks. Has continued her winning uh, run. Out wingsy. <laughs> Do you know, Candace Hare tweeted out something really nice over the weekend. She basically talked about how lucky she feels to be able to work in, an, in a broadcast industry that she absolutely loves and how important Winx is for shining a spotlight on international racing, which she covers for TVG. And then there's Kevin. Old Winxie. Ah, sure, there you go. Old oh, well, Winxie. Like, she's very good, to be fair to her, but... I know it's it's become like here comes the backhanded compliment. The, the, no, the thing with the thing with Australian middle distance racing, like I, I just like I I want to judge it by itself. I don't really want to necessarily. I know it's natural. I, I don't necessarily want to put it consider it in an international context unless they're coming out, you know, coming outside of their own environment because it's just different. You know, it's a bit it's a bit like comparing rugby league to rugby union. You know, players from each sport and trying to compare them directly, like because, like Wings, a lot of people are talking about the sectional times she puts up and they're phenomenal, but she's able to do them not, be, you know, as obviously because she she's capable of doing it, but it's a product of how the races are run, you know, in general. You know, she was made work very hard there. I think it was on her penultimate start because they actually went a gallop for for once in an Australian middle distance race. One horse, a very you know middle of the road horse, I think by all accounts. Went off, went to gallop in front, and she she made pretty hard work of going getting them. You know, she she ran them down and fair play to her for doing it. But in general, those races, you know, beyond sprint trips in Australia, they essentially canter around and sprint for home. And some horses love that, some don't. But you, if you brought, I think, I think my own opinion, if you brought Wings up to 
um, Ascot or someplace like that in a in a top class ten furlong race. Um, I'd be surprised if she was if she looked as good as she does down below because they're not conditioned for a truly run middle distance race because they don't have to. They don't have to. That you know that's and that's the other thing. You know, it winds me up every year. Uh, you you will get people say, oh. Look in Australia, isn't it fantastic? They run their, they don't pinch and hold their horses. They run them over a wide variety of trips. They run them every week, every two weeks. Isn't it fantastic? Why don't our trainers do that? I'll tell you exactly why. Because their middle distance racing is Mickey Mouse. They, they go a Mickey Mouse gallop, right? And they sprint for home. That means that they don't have to trade, but give these horses hard conditioning at home. Because they don't need that real deep fitness that you need for a truly run 10 furlongs or a mile and a half. They can literally do speed work with them at home. And because they're essentially cantering around for seven furlongs and sprinting for three, the races don't take nearly as much out of them as a truly run 10 furlongs would do in Europe. So they can race them more often. You know, they just have much less miles on the clock. And in some ways, it's a great thing. Because it tends to deliver very exciting races, very competitive races, and they can run more often and over a wide variety of trips. So, you know, it's great. It's great from a, spe- from a spectator's point of view. It's fantastic. But I'd be more of the opinion now that this is horse racing. We're supposed to find out what the best horse is. And the best way to do that is a truly run race where they go up a right gallop and your, your fitness, your speed, your stamina, everything is tested all at once. And I think if you would, if in general, if you would throw an Australian middle distance horse into the mix in Europe, they would generally get caught out. And we saw that with So You Think. You know, he was dominant down in Australia in, in that, in, within that run style. They brought him to Europe, put him with the best trainer in the world who did his best to condition him for European racing. And I think he got a hard deal. I think he did very well to win Group 1s as he did up here. He, he, he was far from a superstar. Wasn't he the but first? He wasn't he the first Southern Hemisphere horse to win over ten furlongs in Group One company? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Would, like there wouldn't have been many that attempted it for that for that very reason. It's just very different. And I give Wings her full credit down in Australia. She's she's dominant. She's fabulous to watch. It's just generally it's drama with her because of her run style. Fabulous mare, but I would just cool the jets a little bit now in 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 comparing her to the very best middle distance horses um, in Europe and elsewhere, because it's just not the same. I'm not saying she's not as good. I suspect she isn't, but I just don't know, because it's very different. It is. It's very different. I, I hope she makes it up to Ascot now so we can just get this examined and tested. Yeah. It'll be fabulous, brilliant for, brilliant for international racing. But for me, right now, what she's doing in Australia, it's super exciting, but I wouldn't be holding it up as, as being... You know, this, yeah. this wonderful thing for international racing. It's an Australian thing and it's fun to watch, but I wouldn't be getting carried away about it past that. I mean, She's going to go I... for 21 in a row in the Cox Plate next, which is already a long odds on favourite for her. Hypothetically speaking, if she does come over and it's been talked about, Prince of Wales Stakes would be the race for her. Um, you look at the market for that next year. Highland Real, I presume, will be at Stud either in America or at Feathered. Um, Winter may very well still be in training and could end up going for that race. But Barney Roy... Ulysses surely will be gone stood at that stage as well. It's not. We can't play bingo for nine months. In yes, we can. Yes, yes, we can. But if you take a horse like Eminent, for example, your beloved Eminent, who you think is a proper Group One performer, he'd blaze a trail. So he'd make her go. Like that, and Aidan O'Brien, I'm sure, would throw something in there as well. Like if she does come over, she'll generate a huge amount of hype. She'll generate a huge amount of talk, and she'll be one of the big stars at the meeting. 
whether she wins or loses. That'll be great for the meeting, surely. Yeah. Oh, it'll be fabulous. I, I, I can't see it coming because when they really put the gun to their head, kind of got a year ago, they kind of said, oh, maybe we'll go to Royal Ascot, you know, not next year, the year after. And uh, that's just a long time to be talking ahead and race, and I just don't think they'll do it. I, lo- okay. I would love to be wrong because it would be fantastic. It would be the story of the week. It would be the debate of the week. It, it'd be it'd be fabulous. It'd be like a bit like the black caviar thing. It, it's Aussies versus versus the Europeans. Fabulous stuff. I, w- I really hope it happens, but I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think they'll have any wild interest in doing it. My um. I agree with all of what Kevin says, and I'm in no place. My um, international racing ratings system is not in any way experienced, so I have no idea how good she is in comparison to our European middle distance horses. But all I do know is that what she is doing for Australian racing is amazing. Like, they... You know, you see the grandstand when she's won, you know, mm. the camera swings round and you see the grandstand and the place is going wild and she's on the front cover of every paper yeah. and 60 minute documentaries are made out, made about her and played in primetime TV on the main channels. Like she is becoming a star, like just like how Black Caviar did, um, potentially even more. And what I'm slightly jealous of is the way she has really, I mean, obviously Australian, Australia is, um, as far as I'm aware, or being told, fairly kind of besotted with the racing game anyway, but she keeps it on the front pages and the back pages for them. And, um, you know, as a country, we should be jealous of that because we had that in Frankel, but that time is now looking a little bit far away. And mm. uh, they've got it at the moment with Winks and it's, it, that, that is brilliant for them. It's also they do, they do they really get behind their big horses in, yeah, a, in I mean, a big way, which is something that we just we just already do. We, there was a bit of it with Frankel, but not 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 a huge amount. There was a bit of it with Frankel. I mean, I have friends. I have a specific friend up in Yorkshire who wasn't into racing, and Frankel came along and was on the front page of the Times one day, and you know he fell in love with Frankel and then fell in love with racing, and now he goes racing twice a month, every month. Now look that's probably a rarity but i do think frankel got into the public eye quite a bit but um yeah i mean the scenes when i sit and watch our feed when you know atr have cut off but we sit and watch the feed the people are going mad like madder than us brits would ever let ourselves go and of course that is the nature of brits versus versus the aussies but they are so passionate about it to say the roof is coming off the grandstand is an understatement well we freak out like we freak out when we go to cheltenham I mean, think about all the, the great Cheltenham successes in recent years, like Hurricane Fly, for example. Like the Irish, yeah, no, yeah, they're, they're doing this with a mare that's tins on. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, why have you ever seen anyone in Ireland of the Ring that get excited when a tins on shot? We get frustrated. Oh, Duvans yeah. turn up again. Oh, six to one on Willie yeah, Bond's yeah. domination. <laughs> so boring. It's not like that for them. They're, they're just, they love that they see her doing her thing, mm. sort of. Uh, you know, this time of year, once a month or whatever it is, but they they don't care what price she is or how much money they're making on it or what her opposition is. They wouldn't care if her op- opposition was rated 50. I genuinely don't think they care. I don't think they even know. All they want to see is Winks leave the stall, sit last and finish first. And they yeah. love it. And credit. We saw, to- we saw it with Zenyatta too in, in America. Yeah, exactly yeah. the same. An American exactly pharaoh. Exactly the same. Yeah. And when it's I see those those scenes are just like, it's magic. I love those sort of scenes. I do think though, can, that I, can, be... I give you, can I give you an example of how carried away the Australians get about their, about their racing superstars? Go on. Go on. 
One of my favourite racing commentaries ever. I hope I have the right one, but just bear with me here. Here it comes. Oh, God. At the 250, Nolan's got a stranglehold on Black Caviar. She looks at the 30,000 strong crowd and says, geez, I'm good. No, I'm not good. I'm the best you've ever seen in the world. Black Caviar, she's better than a perfect 10. She comes on. She's 20 out of 20. Black Caviar, points. Great go for second. <laughs> Kevin, that is your worst nightmare because it's uh, someone someone humanising a horse, which we know you hate, and it's also someone overhyping an Australian sprinter, which you are also not a fan of. So that is literally like the treble up of your worst nightmare. Exactly. Just imagine, just imagine Jerry Hannon though. Just imagine Jerry Hannon doing that for Hurricane Fly if he commentated as Vanessa and I were in the stands. As Vanessa, as Vanessa and I were in the stands with our Hurricane Fly scarf, and he rounds the man going, "And Hurricane Fly looks at the thirty thousand trucks, man, and he says, 'I never, ever seen a season of a season of all season.'" I mean, you know, they love it. They love it. And as an aneurysm, oh, they, right they, they, they do get carried away, though. <laughs> She's only beaten her in the last one. But I love that though. And I remember, I remember reading. People, uh, people get so wound up when you say that. Ah, but she's only beaten her in the last one. Oh yeah, you're getting a lot of hate now from the Australian trolls. Candace is going to have a pop. Oh, I don't mind. I've I've had these opinions for many years. I do remember the reading uh, a letter to the a letter to the editor one day, and it was about Dalakani winning the arc. And he was saying that he was in college and he loved horse racing and always had uh, throughout his life. And his, his roommates couldn't understand his fascination with the sport. And the front page of Monday's RP was Christoph Sumion waving to the opposition on Delicani in the arc. And he said, look at that. Look how brilliant that is. And that managed to get his, um, his housemates involved in the sport as well. And so a group of racing fans... And in the media, yeah, we're, uh, we're reluctant to really go nuts on these horses. But individually, there's always going to be an equine superstar like Isterbrack or High Chaparral or Galileo or whoever it is um, that, that really grabs your attention and makes you fall in love with this sport. Vanessa's talked about that for her <laughs> Mo- Moscow Flyer. <laughs> you, just, you just lumped in Isterbrack with High Chaparral and Galileo. Absolutely. Think of it. Like, think of the amount of people. <laughs> First of all, similar breeding, I think you'll find. That's, just, that's ridiculous. Why is that ridiculous? People are going to fall in love with national hunt horses and people are going to fall in love with, with flat horses. Like, that's what drags you into the sport. All trained by Aidan O'Brien, by the way. <laughs> as if you're... As a pure coincidence but like think of Cotter Star and like what he did for the sport like there are going to be horses who, who drag your attention but then we play a clip like that from Australia and then end up mocking them for it <laughs> <laughs> such such oh stuff I, sorry I can't help it I can't this, this grizzled old horse racing professionalism and just an absolute city <laughs> uh, let's stay with international racing and talk about world world approval uh, who bolted up in the Woodbine Mile at the weekend he beat Lancaster Bomber uh, before that he beat Time Test who was pretty decent over here but never really fulfilled his potential and that seemed to be another disappointing effort from him. But now it's starting to turn out that this world approval is probably quite good. Uh, he'll go for the Breeders' Cup mile next, but Ripchester will be taking him on. Uh, we think. We think that Ripchester is going to go 
for the race. Why are you giggling away in the background, Kevin? Like? <laughs> possibly 95% of the podcast listeners just went world who who's he talking about and world approval was seen live on at the races over the weekend small international um, like racing fan base would be interested to know about world approval but I feel like we're preaching to the wrong crowd with this subject and the Breeders' Cup will be talk about I heard well what was that I heard Istabrak briefly I I tuned in again and now they're talking about some yoke winning the grade one in America I was actually talking to uh, a high profile owner who will be on the podcast very soon uh, for the national hunt season by the way Uh, we are building up building up to the national hunt season already Uh, but world approval will be live on at the races for the Breeders' Cup mile Uh, but Ripchester is going to go and we'll be I mean, I know he's going to go for the QE2 and there's not much of a break between the two, but that's shaping up to be a decent enough race. Decorated Knight's going to go there as well. Yeah, it'd be super interesting, won't it? Yeah, world, world approval won't be winning. <laughs> Candace Hare is just like throwing her iPhone at the Candace wall. Candace Hare now. hates and, us and, and, and two, people's owners no, no, no. hate us. No, no, no. She doesn't hate us. She hates Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> that is I know. To be to be fair, be, beating out Lancaster Bomber by two and a half lengths is a, is a fair effort. We'll uh, we, we'll give we'll give the horse credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did build up Churchill's form as being fantastic for doing that in the Dewhurst, by the way. So I mean, it's not it's not that bad. Uh, let's go back to jumps racing. So for a little bit, Lisa O'Neill, Vanessa Ryle is the absolute business, and has Kennedy won loves women. and has won the <laughs> Kerry National for the second year in a row on a horse who I had in my tracker for back in the days when he was with Willie Mullins who was probably seething but getting slight delight at the uh, schadenfreude that's going on with Michael Leary and Ryanair in the press right now uh, but he finally delivered on the big stage <laughs> um, finally got the job done uh, for Gordon Elliott and Lisa O'Neill just once again proving what a fantastic jockey she is because she won that race she won that race she is just class like class but in every area like the way she handles herself the way she rides the way she finishes a race the way she is a day-to-day i've had very small dealings with her and i just think she's class and it's great to see her win that race again it's kind of you know on a small scale a little bit fairy tale you know she won it last year and it really catapulted her into sort of definitely the more UK racing fan, uh, jump racing fans sort of uh, minds because obviously in Ireland, lots of people had heard of her and knew of her, but definitely the race last year uh, made us all sit up and take note. And then last year she had another, she had a brilliant season accumulating in her Cheltenham Festival win. Yeah. And um, it was just great to see her pick up, well, not where she's left off because I'm pretty sure she probably hasn't left off at all, but you know, to come back and win that race again, second year running on a horse that, you know, lots of people would have been against. No, it's quirky. It's really quirky. Um, no, it's just, just terrific and a lovely little one of those moments where I thought, oh, yeah, jump racing's back. Yeah. It's coming back. Time to get excited. Why did Coney Green not run, Vanessa? Because Coney Green loves to pretend he's going to run and then not run. I mean, that's just sort of not news anymore, is it? Like, Coney Green's going to run here. No, wait, no, he's not. That was just a little joke. Just a little joke. Um, so annoying. I have no idea. Ground, wasn't it? It was a ground excuse. But the fact is that 
he's incredibly fragile. I think anything can go wrong at the last minute. I think they want perfect conditions as far as I can understand. And uh, looking at what races he has been entered in and being an on runner in and what, you know, he's obviously just been kept in training ever since they got him right at the back end of, well, March, April time last year and uh, continued to run it, well, continued to train him and they're looking for targets with him, but he's got to have the right ground and they're not going to risk running him on ground that doesn't suit. Yeah, so, which is fair enough. Like They missed a season with him, but still, like it's becoming a bit of a trend now. And unfortunately, it's becoming a, t- a touch of a bit of it, not a joke. That's the wrong thing to say about an incredibly talented individual and a gold cup winner but you know the way it's like oh he's gonna run he's entered but you know he's definitely gonna run he's definitely gonna run and now oh no he's not gonna run he's not gonna run and you know it's a bit the boy who boy who cried wolf story you know next time no one's gonna believe that he's actually gonna run um but hey hopefully we'll see him on a race course soon it was a one two for Gigginstown. andrew rings from my hometown he's become a very talented rider he's worked extremely hard to get where he is and joseph o'brien must have been kicking himself because andrew has lost his irons he's done well to finish second but the horse has just run all over the place there's definitely a big handicap in him kevin well he's gone up seven pounds for finishing second so that won't make things any any easier <laughs> uh, but he is run a stormer to be fair he's a he can be a bit of a hairy jumper at times now yeah. but he and ultimately, I think that mistake he made at the third, third last yeah, probably bad cost last. him. Bad one, bad one. But in in the main, he was quite good. You know, for him, he, mm. he's not a horse now. I'd say to be lining up to ride because he can be a bit X-rated. But um, he ran a stormer, absolute stormer. And we've got these Willie Mullins horses who are bolting up, which is getting us all nicely set for the national hunt season. Yeah. There's a number of them that are just... Well, there was that one that Ruby fell off of. Uh, but they're all oh. winning... <laughs> <laughs> just well, to, and the, and the, just how I know the, more. And which was the one? Which was the uh, bookmakers who did a money back situation? As soon as I read that, I thought, "Ooh, Kevin Blake won't be happy. Kevin Blake will not be What's happy." What's this now? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 Ruby just, fell off that horse. Yeah, and then did, and then was it Paddy Power bet three fix three six five? Someone did a justice justice yeah. brief, and as soon as I saw it, I thought, "Uh oh." Kevin, Kevin Blake is losing his mind. I still say that video that they did for Cheltenham last year was brilliant, but he should have he should have pushed the guy off the back of the truck as opposed to telling him to jump and then back and then backed up the truck and <laughs> rolled over. Um, Willie Mullins is looking. If you're, you're going to send a message, send a good. Message. Send a proper one. Yeah, right. like if yeah yeah don't. I was going on to say. the Willie Mullins subject. It is definitely exciting to see a load of these sort of like slightly earlier maiden winners coming out at this at. Galway and Listol in the last week or so and there's been a chat of a few other stable stars you know getting gearing up for action and yeah, Rich Ritchie Rich was Rich talking at the races very and... positive on ATR yeah. about his team and said he's got the best set of novice hurdlers he's got and that Duvan um, interestingly he said well, I thought it was interesting that he said about Duvan being at this stage this year just in a million million miles better form than he was this stage last year and that they were never quite happy with him last year yeah, and that. this year he's walking around the yard uh, like Billy Big Bollocks basically yeah um, which is like great to hear and I just wonder if they that's might a, that's a direct quote by the way that's exactly what he said <laughs> I just about to say it wasn't the exact quote but it was something along those lines no, that's exactly but, what um, he said direct quote it is quite uh, I wonder if 
I mean, look, I might be a million miles off here, but Willie is notorious for get sort of his stable stars coming out later and later each year. And last year it was sort of like mid to the back end of November before we saw quite a few of them. And I wonder if this year they might just be getting rolling a little bit earlier. I'm not saying early, early, but I'm saying maybe a couple of weeks earlier um, with a few of them. No, but who knows? I'm excited it- either way. They don't seem to be messing about this time, Kev. They seem to be ready to go. Yeah, no, I think with some of the bigger guns now that didn't get much of a campaign last season, I think they, yeah. they've really got going with them very early. I think I believe Faheen's going to be on the go for a, a long time. Because um, he looked just, like the hunter. That's well, that's, well, that, well, that's it. Like, because we, we, we ah. commented on it before on the podcast that Faheen, when he comes back, can look like an infall mare, you know, just carrying loads of condition. Mm. And I think they, 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 I think they might have taken the view this year that, right, look, uh, letting him letting him relax for too long and put on too much weight is just going to make things tricky with regard to keeping him sound so I think they've essentially kept him going the whole way through um, so we, we won't I don't think our usual association with Faheen being big as a bull for his seasonal reappearance will be applicable this time and uh, look can't wait to see him back but like you say he's made a quick start he's had some smashing maiden hurdle winners uh, there was one actually at Kilbegan just over nearly a month ago now, three weeks ago or so, a horse called Sayar, S-A-Y-A-R. Oh, good. And a Kilbegan maiden hurdle in August is not necessarily where you'd expect to find a good horse breaking their maiden over hurdles, but I'm going to call it, I think this is a grade one horse. Oh, wow. I think he's... Was, he uh, was this the one in the... the- this isn't a rich Richie horse, is it? No, this this lad's in um in yellow and black colours. Yeah, they're wait. They're... Oh, um, Audrey Turley, who I'm not super familiar with. Oh, okay. No, it's not the one. It's I was... a horse is a horse that a Naga Khan horse that came out of McAlifords without having shown a huge amount in two maidens, but it came out. He was they they punted them off the boards. Um, he's by Asimore, and. He didn't do. He was. He didn't jump all that well. Now he was a bit green and a bit big at his hurdles, but the way he quickened away from uh, Joseph at the runner-up and Big Ben, who's no star now, but he, he's he, he's he's not far from useless either. And he no, just but he absolutely thrashed him. Stand. And it was a case that Paul Townend was traveling well on him, and as soon as he gave it gave an inch of rain, it literally was. Push. Yeah, I really he was like that. Away and gone very quickly now. Yeah. Um. I I think he could be very good. Uh. And he he might slip under a radar too, given that he won his mate at Kilbeg in in August. But he could be a Royal Bond horse now for sure. All right. Make sure he's in the Arthur Races tracker. Also, he could be one for the Arthur Races Stable Stars. But we'll talk about. We're going to do a Stable Stars podcast. We're going to talk about tactics because Vanessa, you really need help with your tactics for this season. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, you could have just put a little full stop after when you finished with you really need help and you didn't need to add the rest in. I mean, I'm well aware I need help. Okay, you don't need to, like, be overexcited by that. Um, Yeah, look, I need help, but I also need help with my stable stars. Also, another little added side note. I'm just going to push on out there just whilst we're on the topic of the Willie Mullins thing. Paddy Mullins. Not letting it, not gonna let JB Cod win another amateur championship, is he? He's already on 21 for the season, He's and last year it. he rode 38 winners. He's gone. And for this it. year he hasn't missed an opportunity, not not ever, basically. Yeah. He's, He's not, just banging in the winners. As long as he stays fit, he's not gonna wait for Punchestown this time around. 
No, I, no, I think there was a bit of a perfect storm last year with, with, with Paddy getting beaten and Willie almost getting beaten. Mm. And I I suspect that the, the kind of the frights that they got has just lit a fire under them. But Jamie winning yeah. it last year, I mean, we know Jamie's a friend of the show and he's obviously quality, but the fact that he won last year, it just, that added an awful lot of excitement to Punchestown because there was, oh, yeah, it was you know, the was, almost was, improbable comeback of, of Paddy Mullins when he won those grade ones. The, was it the grade one double on the Friday? And suddenly, yeah. like, I remember you and, and Gary talking about it on ATR. It was like, oh, well, like, everything has to go right for him. And it almost did. It almost did. But the, as Tony Keenan had made the point so eloquently on the show that he was backing Willie Mullins for reasons of strength and depth. Um, I think you're spot on. They've just, they've learned from last year and they don't want a repeat of that. But yes... What we know about the strength and depth that Gordon already has, what we don't know is how many point-to-pointers and bumper horses are going to come through because Willie's not getting them anymore from Gigginstown. They're going straight to Gordon now or might go end up with Joseph O'Brien or Noel Mead. But he's going to have a lot of young talent coming through that he wouldn't have had in previous years. So there's still going to be a lot of excitement. I think Willie will obviously be hard to beat, but Gordon's, Gordon's still going to have a huge amount of talent there. I would, yeah, I would, suggest I, I would consider that, Willie an absolute certainty, to be honest. Yeah. I would suggest that I know you made a valid, you made a great little case there, Emmett, and you should be rewarded for that in in some levels. But you're not going to be because, unfortunately, um, you're talking shit. Attempts to that, build up the national hunt season. Nah, I'm just going to suggest that that last year was as close as Gordon will get to Willie for another few years I'm not saying I'm I'm sure Gordon Elliott will win a trainers championship at some point but I would put a lot of money on it not being this year bull call bull call right before Just we call go call it off lads don't bother with the national hunt season it's all over already forget about it Kevin sorry why are we talking don't, about this now Kevin Blake forward. is already looking forward to the 2000 guineas that's that's his priority. The 2018 2000 he's probably, guineas. He's probably going to have bred a winner a winner of the 2000 guineas by next year. I mean, probably, of course he will. Of course he will. It's only a matter of time. Um, give us the winner of the Air Gold Cup, Vanessa Ryle. Oh please, pass me a gun. No. Stamp Hill. Stamp Hill is who? Going to go. Stamp Hill. What do you mean? Who? Stamp Hill. I, I genuinely didn't hear that. I genuinely didn't hear that. Stamp Hill, Fahey's horse. Oh that's, okay, yeah. That's the word. Kevin Blake. But a lot of money for Toscanini. George a lot Lowe. of money. Oh, God. Is he going to run? Is he, is he actually going to run? <laughs> He'll probably run in the Silver Cup, I suppose. The Bronze Cup, whichever one he gets in. Oh, stop. Once Those more. races are very hard to predict at this time of the week. Just wait, wait, wait what? till you know what's running. What's he, nearly, well, he nearly won the Silver Cup two years ago. He was beating the head. Yeah, after oh, the car. Right. Let's move on immediately. Once more onto the breach, dear friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't looked at the field. I don't know oh, what's going on. In the, in I've got some chat for you. Go. All right. Modus going novice chasing. Nice. I was surprised, not going to lie, but there he goes. Well, I suppose there's not a whole lot more he can do over hurdles, so they might as well. Yeah, I mean, he's achieved everything that he could ever achieve in my eyes, the superstar legend that is Modus. Oh, what God, was I the photograph him. with uh, that you were freaking out about the other day? Was he drinking champagne? With Lizzie Kelly, yeah. yeah. She just tweeted that she'd been in the open day. It was actually quite sweet. I was freaking out about that, you're your, right. Your love for the horse just built up even more. Can I just talk about... Um, um, can I just quickly mention how great Lawrence was last year, last week at Doncaster, the Carl Burke horse? Yep. He was, she was great. 
last year, uh, last week. Why do I keep saying last year? Last week in the May Hill and is a proper, proper filly. And I think next year she will be a group one filly for all of the mile, 10 furlong races. And I'm very excited about her. And the second horse, Dark Rose Angel, who only went off at 14 to one because Simon Christopher told everyone that she wouldn't be able to go on the ground. And she was still marvellous on the ground. Uh, despite the fact she hated it. And she is also a very good filly. And that race, the Mayhill, uh, was potentially one of the best two-year-old races of last week, um, including everything, basically. I just think it was a very good race. Nyleti in there in third, ran a decent race. But uh, the first two, specifically Lawrence, who is, uh, yeah, just another one for Carl Burke, who's having a great season was his two-year-old, usual waffle, but um, yeah, she's and she was beaten in France by the horse called Polly Dream, who a lot of people are getting very overexcited about for a few reasons. And that form looks very good. Horses in behind have already gone on to win. Uh, I think they're like two horses in behind have already come out and won. The, that, the form of that Deauville race looks very good. And the form of the Doncaster race looks great. And she's a huge filly. She's a really big, scopy filly. She's by Sayuni. She's going to make up to a great three-year-old and I'm genuinely excited by her. And finally, in Donald Trump's first address to the United Nations General Assembly where he has threatened to totally destroy North Korea, (laughs) has called the Iran nuclear deal an embarrassment to the United States and castigates a small group of rogue regimes, there is finally peace in our time. Peace in our time. The Darley Coolmore rivalry is over. It's done. The Godolphin Ballydoyle oh. rivalry has come to an end. Peace in our time. I expected better special effects than that, producer D. That's pretty pathetic, to be honest. Kevin, how significant is it that Darley have bought a Galileo Coolmore? It's the biggest thing that's happened in the bloodstock world for a little while. I think this has gone on for over 10 years. The, the boycott, if you'll call it, um, just to briefly you know, go into the background now, but essentially, uh, oh God, it was it was over 10 years ago, Sheikh Mohammed came out and said, right, we're not going to buy any progeny of Coolmore Stallions, essentially because the, the official reason was because they're not supporting our Stallions, so we're not going to support their Stallions. And and so it was. You know, they, they have bought some Galileos and some others, but they would have bought them as proven horses, the likes of your Teofillos and your new approaches and things yeah. like that. Um, they, they, they kind of got them, in the back, the back door and not buying them but, direct from Coolmore no they wouldn't have bought them as yearlings they wouldn't have bought them as foals and they essentially locked themselves out of 10 years of Galileo uh, which wasn't ideal uh, with the glorious benefit of hindsight but it seems that with the, with, the, with the big change in regime that we've talked about earlier in the podcast with that has come uh, a decision that right, this maybe isn't in everyone's best interest. So they went and bought a few, um, a few offspring of Australia. I think the Galileo, um, a couple of others, a Keenland, and one would assume that they will be going to war um, at Goffs and at Tattersalls um, on Ooh. any sons of daughters of Coolmore. Two weeks today. That, that, yeah, that, the Goffs is a week today. Hmm. Oh, yeah. um, and, I, and any sons or daughters of Coolmore Stallions that they like. And, you know, it's just gas to see the way things have changed so quickly because now John Gosden is very much to the fore, I think, in terms of the horse selection. Anthony Shroud is very much involved. David Loader, you know, faces that would have been very heavily associated with Sheikh Mohammed 
um, quite a few years ago. They're very much back um, at the helm now. And it's just going to be interesting because if, um, and it will inevitably happen, that uh, Sheikh Mohammed's team will land on one and be really want one, um, that the Coolmore team really want uh, by a Coolmore sire. And we, we could well be, go back to the, to, the, to the old days where they go hammer and tongs in the... In the Demi Byrne and John Ferguson the, going the, at it. In the sales ring, uh, it'll be just fabulous theatre. Yeah. Very exciting for definitely the sales going forward. They said their quote was that they have now been given a brief to buy the nicest yearlings they can. So, despite the sires and, but I mean, you know, it. But overall, though, Vanessa, like it just like you're going to be presenting the Bloodstock shows. Surely you're going to end up with a lot of fireworks to be presenting for at the races. Like overall, this just benefits both, doesn't it? It's just it's about time, really. I think it, it de- it's definitely about time. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 black and white to cut out Galileo. If you're breeding top class racehorses and you make a decision not to use Galileo, I mean, forgive me for saying it, but you know, some would consider you incredibly stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, that, I'm I'm just saying it. You know, it, it's very clear for all to see. That's not that's not like a revelation to say that. You know, he's the best stallion in the world right now by anyone's standards. And so if you're a big breeding operation and you want to breed the best in the world by cutting him out of your system, it doesn't really work. But on the other foot as well, Coolmore have ended up with brilliant Galileo. Great. All the balls are in their court, but they have a stud that's totally saturated by Galileo's stock. And so now they also need to buy into what Dali have to offer, including Dubawi, Shamadal, you know, all of that lot. So Mm -hmm. It's hopefully it's going to benefit not only you know the sales in the very near future, but also the bloodstock world in years to come. Hopefully, if it all comes off. But I think you know it's, it's small steps. They're not going to. I'd be surprised. I'd, I'd be delighted, but I'd be surprised if at Tats Book One or Goffs next week we saw mega, mega, mega fireworks between the few, the, the two of them like the old days. I'd be surprised if we saw that this year, maybe in other years going forward. But I think, you know, it's small steps at the moment. But well, it's a I, step in the I, right direction. Yeah, I think you make a great point there, Vanessa, in that this isn't going to be one-way traffic. I think uh, Coolmore will be looking to get into Darley horses as well because to be yeah. fair to Darley, like it's easy to, to lob stones at them for, for doing what they did. But to be fair to them, you know, in the time that they've been boycotting the Coolmore horses. They've they've built a, a pharaoh's a pharaoh stash of top class yeah. stallions themselves. Big time. You know, you, you know your Shamardals, your Dubawi, obviously. Um, you yeah. know your, your your new approaches, your Tiafillos, you know, Sars and anyone would be happy to have. And I can I can only imagine uh, Coolmore will be will be quite happy to get involved there because, like you say, they have farms absolutely chock full of Saddlers Wells and Galileo mm-hmm. and Monju and what have you, and they would love. Um, a bit of an outcross to throw into the mix there. So I think this is going to be mutually beneficial. It makes sense. It's overdue. It's fantastic that it's happened. It, it raises the potential for, as we say, some some really interesting goings on in the bloodstock world going forward. And um, it's great. It's just fantastic. Uh, I, I feared that we we would never see the back of the boycott because when it goes on for so long, through so much, um, you know what? You know it's human nature when you kind of make a decision. And even if sometimes it doesn't look like the right decision, your your pride will will get in the way of, re- of reversing it. But um, it, it's it's seemingly has been reversed, and it's great for everyone. I think it's 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 a great move, and I can't wait to see how it all pans out. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. What a horse Shamadel was, by the way. 
He was an absolute he's, he's beast. A fabulous sire. He's just he's um he's he's just been great for them. You know, he doesn't cover as many mares as they'd like at this stage. I think he had a bit of an injury. I think that's mm. well established. And he doesn't cover as many mares as they'd like him to. But what he does cover tends to produce you know proper horses. But as a horse, like a sire of sires. As a horse, like French two thousand guineas, French Derby, St James's Palace Stakes. It was only injury that took him off the track. He was a beast. Yeah, fabulous horse, fabulous sire, fabulous race horse. And on that bombshell, we are done. Uh, your article is available now on attheraces.com. Vanessa, when is the Bloodstock show on next? Um, there's a current Bloodstock show you'll probably see on repeat, on repeat on AT at the moment from Arcana from the first yearning sale of the season, which was very good. Um, I can't tell you when that'll be on. It's on the YouTube channel, actually. I'll tweet about it so anyone who's missed it can catch it there. And then hopefully we will obviously be filming at Tats, Book One, and a few other sales around the bout. It'll be fun, actually. Good where season you, coming right, right. Where you will be hanging out with Mr. Kevin Blake. I mean, if he'll still have me, now that he's sort of like in with racing royalty, I'm worried that we might get the snub, but I'll, you know, I'll tread carefully with that one. Well, he was always a big time Charlie, and yet he always welcomed you into his life and talked, brought you out for steak dinners and got you G&Ts. So yeah, actually he did. That's true, actually. That's going to continue. And that's earlier, not going to change. Earlier, I mean, it wasn't in the podcast, but earlier he did actually admit that he missed me. It just took him a few seconds to actually get the words out. <laughs> yeah. It was an awkward silence, yeah. 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 He did get there. He might I mean, have I got a little your... prompt from producer D to just go, you better say something quickly. Don't leave it's, it hanging. It's not, that, it's not that I don't mean it. It's just that I'm not soft. Yep. Yes, because telling no, we're somebody well aware of that. telling somebody we're that well, you've missed them makes you a softy. Well aware, it's not new news that Kevin is incredibly emotionally inept and needs help on that department. That is not new news to any of us. Or it's so true. And on that bombshell, we're done. If you like the show, what can you do, Kevin Blake? You can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts by going into the podcast app, pressing the search button, typing in Final Furlong Podcast, clicking on the Final Furlong Podcast icon, clicking on the Reviews tab, <laughs> clicking the five-star button, uh, writing a short review and pressing Submit. 30 seconds, bang, bang, unless you're an absolute technophobe. And of course you're not, because you're listening to this show, so therefore you're not a technophobe. So thank you very really much. really reined in my ins- the insult I wanted to You use. did. I, th- I thought you were going to go for it there. And at the last second, you managed to stop yourself. Maybe you're not so emotionally inept after all. Maybe, maybe you're making progress, slowly but surely. Maybe that therapist at 500 quid an hour is helping. It's amazing what they can do. <laughs> right, we're done. Thank you very much for listening. From Vanessa Ryle. See you later, guys. It's been a pleasure. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emmett Kennedy. We will chat to you again next week on AtTheRaces.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you then. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.